So today, here we are in the midst of this series, and of all things we're talking about, it's an interesting concept. It's called kindness. And I think, what a, what a great way to kind of segue from us reaching out to our community with kindness and serving and all that. And yeah, here we're going we're gonna to talk about it. And what's interesting is most of us think, and I'm not, I'm not going to ask you for a show of hands, I'm not going to ask you to, you know, nudge your neighbor or anything like that, but most of us think that we're doing okay in this. I'm a kind person. You know, inside our minds, we're, you know, I, we, we could almost skip this one. I mean, we're, we're, we're pretty kind. Yeah, I know you guys. I mean, you're, you're pretty kind people, mainly because we make a common mistake. You know what the common mistake is? We commonly mistake courtesy for kindness. We think that opening the door for somebody is kindness. But that's just human courtesy. Everybody hear me? Come on. Oh, we let the person go in front of us in the, in the you know, express lane at the grocery store. Oh, you're such a kind person. No, you are. You're just courteous. That's just common courtesy. And we live in a culture that has lost common courtesy. And... and we need to be, this is a whole other subject, but we need to be people of courtesy. That's, we're going to show love in that way, and people are going to notice that. But beyond that, the, the kindness is different. In fact, there's a whole movement about kindness. You've probably seen it over the last few years. It's called a random act of kindness movement. And, and you may have been involved in this over the years. A random act of kindness is an unplanned, not thought out, one time, out of the ordinary action designed to offer some gesture or action of kindness to someone. And the phrase, practice random kindness and senseless acts of beauty, was written by Anne Herbert on a placemat in 1982. It's where the idea came from in our culture. In 1983, she published a book, of course, and uh, wrote about true stories of acts of kindness. In 1995, <laughs> business got a hold of this, and the Random Acts of Kindness Foundation was founded. A 501c3 nonprofit headquartered in Denver, Colorado, was organized to promote spreading kindness all over the world. And I'm not making fun of this, and I'm not being sarcastic. It's just interesting how things always escalate in our culture, and this really one true, you know, altruistic value just becomes something that becomes big business, right? And that's kind of what has happened. There's even apps that you can track your random acts of kindness. You know, it's true. You could put it on your phone. Oh, I was a kind person today. Click. Oh, yeah, I did two of them. Click, click. You know, you could track it. You could track it, right? Some suggestions on websites about random acts of kindness are letting someone go ahead of you in line, which, again, I've already said, that's just like common courtesy, right? Buying extra food at the grocery store and then donating it to a food pantry. That's pretty cool. Giving your mail carrier a gift card, and Bill said, yeah, all right, because he's a mail carrier. I like that one, okay? Give him a, a gift card. Helping some, or buy his lunch today. Helping someone change a flat tire. I don't know if you've ever done that before. Um, taking muffins or donuts to work. Okay, that's, a, that's a good idea, but I'm, anyway, I'm, I'm just, you'll, you'll see where I'm going with this. Letting a car into traffic ahead of you. Hmm. Taking a gift to new neighbors. Those are some of the ideas that, that are listed. And, and I've had this happen to me before. Maybe you've had situations like this happen. One morning, um, I was in the McDonald's drive-thru. I was getting my cup of coffee, and I pulled up to pay, and the cashier said, oh, no, it's been taken care of. And at first, my first thought was, who? And she said, the car in front of you. And then my second thought was, shoot, I should have ordered a lot. But anyway, no, teasing. 
I, I ordered one cup of coffee, right? And she said, oh, but she left you something. And she had these pre-printed cards that said, I have, I have given you, I forgot, I didn't, I didn't keep it, something about I've given you a random act of kindness today. I hope your day is, is a great day. And I think, you know, that's really cool. But you need business cards for that? I mean, really? Hmm. Most people assume that kindness is being nice to other people. And I'm not saying that nice is not a good thing. Please don't go away and say, Bart says we don't have to be nice anymore. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. I enjoyed my free cup of coffee, and I'm sure the lady went away feeling like she really did something special for someone else. And I think that's a cool thing. But that's not at all what the Apostle Paul talks about in the New Testament when he talks about kindness. Take a look at what he says. It's a command that he calls us to. Look what he says. It's, it's five words. Be kind to each other. Come on, read it with me. Be kind to each other. It's a command. So turn to the person next to you and with your best commanding voice. Ready? Here we go. Be kind to each other. Be kind to each other. I want you to circle that word kind on your outline. You should have a full page white outline like the one I'm holding. And you can kind of circle that. There should be some pins somewhere. If you don't have a pin, somewhere in the aisles there. Circle that word kind. This is a really interesting word. It's the word um, krestos. And, and kindness in, um, um, in Greek as well, not just kind, but kindness is krestosis. And what it basically means, both of those words basically mean providing what is needed, useful, and beneficial. So I want you to get this down. There's a couple of things that I want us to do a comparison with. Ready? Here we go. Random acts of kindness are generic, but biblical kindness focuses on specific needs. Specific needs. Remember the definition of random acts of kindness? It's, you know, that they, it's a, a one-time only. It's kind of an unpredicted thing. They weren't planned out. They just kind of, you know, they determined. For instance, this lady determined, and I'm not knocking her. I really appreciated the cup of coffee. But this, this lady printed out these cards probably with the idea of, I'm going to buy somebody's meal in the drive-thru. So, so she planned it. But here's the kicker. Did I need her to buy that for me? Was that a specific need in my life? No, because she didn't know. I have a gift card. Somebody had already paid for this for me. Everybody follow me? So, so random acts of kindness are generic. But biblical kindness is, is specific. Paul also tells us who's to be the recipient of this. Look at, be kind to who? Each other. Do you know who the each other is? It's, it's us. It's, it's those that are close to you. He's not saying be kind to the world around you. Now, I'm not saying that's bad. Again, don't go away. Don't go to habit today at lunch and take over tables and be mean to people. That's not what I'm saying. Don't be mean to the cashier and the server at habit today. That's not what I'm saying. But those that are close to us, Paul is calling us to this each other. Um, last year, we did a whole series about this idea of each other. Love for you to jump on our podcast and listen to that. But he's, he's saying each other. So random acts of kindness are done to anybody, but biblical kindness focuses on somebody I know. Somebody I know. And guess what, friends? This is harder. Now, you wouldn't think it would be, but it actually is. 
All too often, being kind to those we know is harder than being kind to people we don't know. I mean, I I can give some change to a homeless guy and yet never thank my wife for the good meal that she prepared for me. I can, you know, thank the waitress at the habit for good service, but never mention the good work of a coworker that I work with every day. Hmm. Being kind is harder than we think. In fact, get this one, random acts of kindness are occasional and sporadic, but biblical kindness is constant and consistent. That's the gut punch right there. How well are you doing at being constant and consistent in kindness to people that you are close to? We're talking every day. When was the last time you said thank you to someone that's close to you? When was the last time you said, I appreciate what you do to someone close to you? Did you know that psychologists... And and psychiatrists have agreed that if more of this could hit marriages, marriages would stay together. Hmm. Interesting, huh? Kindness is not just something that we're supposed to show others occasionally. The Apostle Paul calls us to this lifestyle of kindness. It never turns off. Kindness is supposed to be a part of who we are all the time. Guess what? Even if you're having a bad day, You're supposed to be kind. Paul calls us to kindness. One last thing. Random acts of kindness are about me feeling good about what I've done. But biblical kindness costs me something. It costs me something. It's it's not being nice and helpful so that I can gain something. It's not to get something in return or to have somebody think better of me. Biblical kindness is exactly the opposite. It's doing something for someone who may or may not ever do anything back to you. And Jesus talks about this in a parable that he, that he told. One day an expert in religious law was testing Jesus and he asked him a question. He says, Jesus, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life. What what do I need to do to go to heaven? That's what he's saying. And Jesus said, well, what does the law of Moses say? They're Jewish, so he knows what he's talking about. How do you read it? And so the man said, well, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, which is in the the book of Deuteronomy. And then he says, and he adds, and love your neighbor as yourself. And we know that one, love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, right, do this and you will live. Do this and you'll get eternal life. You'll go to heaven. And the man wanted to justify his actions, and so Luke tells us, so he asked Jesus, and who is my, help me out, neighbor? Love your neighbor as yourself. And so the guy's saying, yeah, but who's, come on, who's, who's my neighbor? Who am I really supposed to love? Hmm. So don't miss this. Jesus is answering this guy's question, who is my neighbor? Who am I supposed to love? And Jesus replied with this story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him up, they left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, a religious guy came along. But when he saw the man lying there, 
He crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I wonder how many of us have ever done that before. With people that are close to us, we see that they're having a really bad day. They're having a rough day. Something's going on. We know, we sense that something's going on. And what do we do? We walk right past it. We don't ever say anything. We don't ever do anything. We just walk right past it. A temple assistant walked over, another religious guy. Not quite as religious as the first one, but, you know, close. He walked over and he looked at him lying there, but he also passed him by on the other side. He did the same thing. And then a despised Samaritan, if you know anything about history in that time, in that period of time, um, these cultures, they did not mix well. The Samaritans were not liked by the Jews and, and vice versa. And, and so this, this, Jesus was pulling, in this story, he was pulling out somebody who, who would be seen as a villain normally. And now Jesus is kind of turning the tables and he says this despised Samaritan comes along and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. He felt something. Going over to him, well, that right there is different than the other two guys, right? Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. And then he put the man on his own donkey and he took him to an inn where he took care of him. And the next day, overnight, he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. He slapped down his credit card and said, go ahead, open up an account. If it goes more, I'll pay for it. Wow. Jesus says, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. He, he didn't even say the Samaritan. That's how bad they hated the Samaritan. He just said, well, the, the guy who showed him mercy. Look what Jesus says. Yeah. Now go and do the same. Hmm. Now, I, I think I could pull off a few random acts of kindness a week. Anybody else like me in that? You would say, you know, I could be kind three days a week. Would you just slip up your hand? If you could, I could be kind, and I could be kind to a few people, you know, not everybody, but some, I could be kind to some, right? I, I, I could do that. Doing something nice for, for a stranger. I can be nice on my good days, you know, when everything is going well. I can, I can make plans to do something nice for somebody. I mean, I can pack my little lunches and give them out to homeless people. I'm not knocking this if you're doing it, but that, I, I can do all of that, just like you can do that. But to meet the specific needs of somebody close to me like this, when I didn't plan on it, when I was already on a trip, and then to have it cost me something, time and resources, I don't think I have that. I, I, I don't think I can do that. And I'm so glad that the Apostle Paul wrote Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The text that we've been using through this series. Look at what Paul tells us. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. 
Love, joy, peace, patience. We've, we've covered all those before in, in, Syria, or in studies before. So go on our podcast. But look what he says. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Kindness. Now, I don't know about you, but I need help with this. Because this is not something that I'm good at. This is not something that is constant and consistent in my life. And as we've discovered throughout this series, developing the the fruit of the Spirit is always about a focus on others, not about me. Don't ever think that the fruit is being given by the Holy Spirit for you to enjoy. (gasps) I'm going to have a joyful day today. No, it's not about you. It's about you sharing your joy with other people around you. This one's specifically kindness, man. This is what I want you to get down about kindness so we're all on the same page. Kindness is consistently doing or saying things to help or encourage those around me. Come on, read it with me. Kindness is consistently doing or saying things to help or encourage those around me. So doing or saying, helping and encouraging. Those are the things that we need to focus on. Consistently, don't miss that word, consistently doing or saying things to help and encourage those I know. And I don't know about you, but this isn't something I can do in myself. I can't develop this in me. I can't make this happen in me. And I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit produces in me what I cannot produce on my own. And he does it in a few ways. First, get this one down. The Holy Spirit makes me aware of God's kindness towards me. Aware of God's kindness towards me. There's a verse that we used last week that I want to repeat. Paul writes this. He says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Come on, read that with me. Don't you see how wonderfully kind and patient God is with you? And look what he says. Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Paul points to this truth about the character of God that so often we fail to to understand and we we, we miss this. In the Old Testament, God is often praised for his kindness through this beautiful Hebrew word. And so not only are we looking at, you know, the Greek, but now we're, we're looking at Hebrew and it's the word hesed. And, and what it means is, it's so rich in meaning. It means unfailing love, faithfulness, mercy, all of these kinds of things. Hased points to how God is being faithful to his promises, paying attention to our needs, acting in love and mercy, and generously giving us what we need. That's an awesome character trait of God, the Hased of God. And we see this throughout the Old Testament. Take a look at Job 10, 12. It says, you showed me kindness, that's the word hased in in Hebrew, you showed me kindness, and in your care, you watched over my life. Wow. Look at this one. I will tell about the Lord's kindness and praise him for everything he has done. I will praise the Lord for the many good things he has given us and for his goodness. He has shown great mercy to us and has been very kind to us, hased. This next one I love. The prophet Joel says, come back to the Lord your God because he is kind and he shows mercy. He doesn't become angry quickly and he has great love. And then we come to one that God says himself. The prophet Jeremiah writes this, that the Lord said, I love you with a love that will last forever. That is why I have continued showing you kindness. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I lose sight of this. I lose sight of God's kindness. I get going in my week. I get going in, in, in my busyness and my schedule. And I lose sight. I mean, I, I know he loves me, and I know that he forgives me, but I lose sight sometimes of his kindness. And so the Holy Spirit comes along and kind of reminds me, and he uses things in my life to remind me. And right now, I'm, I'm, what I'm reading in the Bible, the Holy Spirit used it this week to remind me of the kindness of God. Um, since July of this year, I've been studying the book of 2 Kings. And, and if, if you've ever read the book of 2 Kings, it's pretty predictable. I mean, it's, you know, this king, you know, he, he comes into his throne and he either does what is good in the sight of God or he does what is bad in the sight of God. And that really dictates how his life's going to go. But you, you find these paragraphs explaining a king, and that's about it. The king came into his throne. He did what was bad in the sight of the Lord. And then it says, and he rested with his ancestors. Da, 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 da. That is just a brief synopsis of these kings. And multiple times, and right now I'm in chapter 14, 15, 16, 17, all, and that's all it is. This king does this, he died. This king does this, he died. This king does this, he died. And I'm reading about all of this and how the leaders and the people did not follow God. And time after time, they didn't do what God said. And then they faced the consequences. And then they cried out to God. And then God would come along and help them. And then how did they respond? They didn't follow God again. And here we go again with the sequence on and on and on. And I've been studying 2 Kings and repeatedly have asked a question of God. God, why didn't you just give up on them? Right? Come on. We're talking decades. I mean, one king I read, who was, he was in the office, uh, in the throne for five decades, and he didn't serve God at all. It's like, God, why do you keep blessing these people? Because they're not following you. And so four days ago, I came across one little verse. Actually, it's a half a verse. And I felt like God answered my question. Since July, I've been asking this question, God, why don't you just give up on these people? Why, why didn't you? Why did you string them along? And this is the verse I came across in 2 Kings 13, 23. But the Lord was gracious and merciful to the people of Israel, and they were not totally destroyed. I felt like God said, there's your answer. Because of my grace and mercy, because of my said, my kindness, I didn't destroy them completely. Wow. The people of Israel only survived, and they only existed because of the grace and mercy and love and kindness of God. That is the only reason that we can read about them in our Bibles. And friends, that's us. We are no different. I mean, how many times does God tell us something that he wants us to do in our lives and we don't do it? And then we face the consequences of not going in the right direction. And what do we do? We cry out to God and God comes and he bails us out again and again and again. We are just like the people of Israel. I'm just like them. And I'm only experiencing what I'm experiencing in life because of the grace and the mercy and the love and the kindness of God. And so are you. 
And so is our church. We are only existing as a church because of the grace and the love and the mercy and the kindness of God being poured out in our lives and in the life of our church. And so the Holy Spirit brings me back to this realization of the kindness of God through what Paul writes in Titus. He says, when God revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. Hmm. So the Holy Spirit makes me aware of God's kindness. My question to you today is, are you paying attention to what the Holy Spirit is showing you about the kindness of God in your life? Are you realizing that you are only here because of God's grace and love and mercy and kindness in your life? Next, get this one down. The Holy Spirit makes me aware of the needs of people around me. He not only makes me aware of God's kindness, but he makes me aware of the needs of people around me. This week I was moved by a strong video portrayal of a, of a passage of scripture in John 8 that I love about Jesus and his interaction with a particular woman. And so I wanted us to take a look. The scripture text is actually on your outline if you'd like to read along. This video portrayal just follows it exactly. But let's take a look at this. Obviously, I am not Jesus, and I can't forgive sin. But how often do I discourage instead of encouraging those around me? How often do I criticize and tear down instead of building someone up, those close to me? How often am I condemning instead of affirming Friends, come on, life is hard. We all would agree with that. We get beat up every day. We face situations and circumstances and people. It's very difficult to deal with. And we, we come away from that being, feeling beat up. People around us need us to say things that encourage and affirm. They need us to do things that help and benefit them. But all too often, I don't see the needs of those around me and neither do you. Even though we're made, we're made in the image of an incredibly kind God, like we've already talked about, I am not aware of the needs of those around me as much as I should be. And so my question to myself is, how do I miss seeing the needs of those closest to me? And I've found three main causes in my life, and maybe you share these too. You should write these down. First, being tired causes me to be less aware of those around me being tired. This is something I can change, and you can too. Being physically or emotionally tired, which by the way, when you become physically tired, you become emotionally tired, and you run out of having feelings for other people. Physical exhaustion can cause this. It causes me to be less aware of those around me, and I go blind to people around me, and I'm definitely you know, less energetic about putting in the energy required to be kind. You know why? Because I'm tired. I don't know about you, but I've come across situations where I'm 
tired. And sometimes we can't get away from that. And I understand we, we get really burned out because of the way life is and the pace of life and all that. And I understand that sometimes things create that. But we can do certain things to help us in this way of, of getting more rest in our bodies, of slowing down, those kinds of things. And I have found myself being tired and I come across a situation where now I'm all of a sudden made aware that somebody has a need. And the first thing that crosses my mind is, It's not that I don't have time for it. I'm just tired. Anybody else like me in that? Those kinds of things I can work on. You can work on. Another one is being too busy causes me to be less aware of those around me. Too busy. It's, it's living a marginless life. We, we, we as a culture in America... We do this probably more than any other culture. We live marginless in our finances. We live marginless in our health. We live marginless in our rest. There's no margin. We are marginless in our schedules. There's no margin. There's no flex. If, if one little thing upsets the schedule, your whole day is ruined. And we need to find ways to become less busy so that we can become more useful. Ooh, that's a good one. Somebody needs to put that online. That's a good one. We need, to be, we need to find ways to become less busy so that we can become more useful in the lives of people around us. It's true. Running from thing to thing to the next thing leaves us no margin. No margin to see, much less help somebody around me. I feel I have no time. I don't just feel tired. Now I feel like I have no time to give you. The last thing, and I think this is the most important, this probably affects everything else. Being disconnected from Jesus causes me to be less aware of those around me. Being disconnected from Jesus. If I'm not spending time in his presence, talking with him, listening to him daily, then I get disconnected from the source of what I need. I mean, look at what Jesus says in John 15. We've used this verse earlier in our series. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Look what he says. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. He's saying, if you get disconnected from me, you're not going to be able to do this. You're not going to be able to pull off this kindness thing. And we know this to be true. So, the Old Testament commands this. I mean, the prophet Zechariah says, be kind to each other. The New Testament echoes this through the Apostle Paul. Be kind to each other. Both of these are imperative commands. We're being called to this. Kindness is not merely external actions. It is an internal change that begins to take place in us. And if the Holy Spirit doesn't do some kind of work in me, this will never happen. This is the only way that this will happen in my life if the Holy Spirit will produce this in me and in you. Would you bow your heads with me today?